Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good morning. And together, we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. And today, we're going to be talking about family rhythms, because nourishment to us isn't just about food. Um, we want to nourish our minds, our spirits, our relationships, and and the best way we know how to do that is by establishing some family rhythms that honestly continue to evolve. So that's kind of the conversation we're going to go into today. I think you're going to hear a lot of background into our family, um, what we're doing right now, and I, th- I think even what we might plan to do in the future. It's really just a, a story of how we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly not painting with a broad brush here and saying that everybody needs to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately what we're, what we're trying to share is, is that in the current season of life that we're in, here's, here are some practices that work for us. Yeah. And um, I mean, is there anything else we want to preface this with? No, I think as we get into the conversation, we can introduce nuance. I know that we both have people in our communities that um, are like this won't apply to we we have people in all stages of life around us if you are postpartum if Mm. you are um dealing with tragedy or loss if you have um extenuating circumstances where you're like hey getting up in the morning at 5 a.m is not doable for me we are by no means um pretending like like you just said this is applicable for everyone this is just what Liz and Joey are doing right now in this season and sort of like the why behind it. Because it's not really about the action. It's about why we decide to do these things and even in the midst of them, how it feels when we don't do them. And I I think that also we'd both be willing to admit that these things that we're doing could adapt and change. Yeah. As our season of life changes, uh, these could change. And so ultimately for everyone out there that's listening to this, find find the practices, rhythms, and routines that best support your life. Mm -hmm. And if these can be inspiration for that, um, great. Mm -hmm. Now, there will be some stuff in here that I absolutely believe will apply um, to anyone listening, some concepts some some things that we're going to discuss. And uh, ultimately, this idea of having rhythms and routines that best support a a thriving lifestyle, um, one that maybe is headed in a more nutritious uh, food way, or even one that's that's uh, benefiting your spiritual life, your merit, your marital life, whatever it is, financial life, whatever it is that you're going after. Your friendships, yeah. These routines and rhythms are going to support that, um, and by these, I'm I'm referring to the ones that you uh, decide to implement in your life, uh, and we're going to share the ones that have been working for us. <clears throat> so to kind of get us rolling, uh, let's jump into a little bit about who we are. Um, I think sharing. Uh, if if you're new here, you know, kind of who we are and introduce ourselves and and um, kind of like what we've got going on in, in our home. So I'll let, I'll let, Elizabeth, I'll let you start. Okay. So yeah, I, I always hate this question. It sort of falls in the same question of like, what do you do? <laughs> I just never know how to answer that. Um, we have three kids, three daughters, ages one, five, and 11. Um, we live in the Midwest. We're in Ohio. We have been married for coming on seven years, I think this May. Um, we were friends in high school. We never dated. And then after college, we became quickly fond of each other and have never looked back. Um, and we both, we both work as weird as that is for me to say, uh, I am a 
stay-at-home homeschooling parent. Um, and that really came out of a, a big, larger conversation to homeschool with our first child, um, which actually we have a whole episode on that if you want to listen. But I stay at home and homeschool, but you know, in the midst of that, I also saw this crazy need for um, children's nutrition resources. And so out of that sort of was born this thing called homegrown. So as much as I like to pretend that I don't have a, a nine to five or a, a work, um, obligation at all, I I do. And so that is actually part of the tension that I think we'll talk about today. But, um, so I squeeze in my work, you know, here and there, in the home with the three girls luckily one of them still naps so like that's a huge bonus and my other two are pretty self-sufficient but um yeah both of our families live in town we i mean how deep do you want us to go into this no i think i think i can just add in a, um, a little bit and then we'll, we'll share a little about what we do what our work is and our schedules and I, I think me sharing a little bit more about mine will kind of complete the picture and, yeah um yeah so so uh three three daughters um, I, I believe you said that, but I mean, for me, even just to say that again, just so I can remind myself, three three girls, um, they're amazing. They're awesome. They keep us enormously busy. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth absolutely works. She is a stay-at-home mom that's getting after it. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, and by stay-at-home, I mean she's at home. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean she can't work. She probably works more than me some days. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to an office five to six days a week depending on the week and um um and we're small business owners so so my work is a, is a business that i own um elizabeth's work is a business that she owns um and this is um relevant because small business work if anything is um it, it's almost like an additional child yeah there's there's it, it always wants more of your time and energy. Um, you and, are solely responsible for that thing. No one else. And yeah, you so, carry that weight with you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> an average work day for us looks like, I mean, for me, I'd love to know what your average work day looks like, but for me, an average work day is, I mean, today it'll probably be in the, 8 30 9 9 a.m to i leave the office at like 5 5 30 i live about 30 minutes from my office so you know an hour worth of commuting half an hour there half an hour back and you're looking at like a nine to ten hour day i typically come home right around the time that we would potentially be eating dinner um, and i leave just before our kids are waking up or, or um, as they're coming down the stairs, depending mm-hmm. on the morning. Now, there's definitely days where I'm out the door by 6, uh, and I'm home uh, a little bit after 7. It just depends on uh, what's going on at the office. And um, uh, what, what, what's an average work day or home day, right? Because it's work and it's it's uh, uh, parenting, which, you know, depending on, on your situation, work is homegrown. Yeah. And, and parenting is, you know. Yeah, I'm laughing because, you know, every time <laughs> I, I, I feel like every mom is like, I work, you know, whether or not there's a dollar amount associated with that. So I'm not, a, I'm not at all diminishing the work I do as a parent or a homeschooler. 
But I think it has been a weird thing for me to say that I also have an external responsibility to my work um, that I didn't have for a few years. So I we used to work full time and our, we had a um, our kids were either in daycare or school or for a very brief period of time we had a nanny. Um, and your mom helped out with us. And then um, I didn't I didn't enjoy that lifestyle, to be honest. And we had some health complications that brought me home. And then I was in this limbo of like working very, very part time for your company, actually, which at that point I was like, I never want to work together. <laughs> yes, it just <laughs> yeah. wasn't a great I didn't feel like I was really adding value to you. But um you know, I think that was just my own insecurity. And then now, fast forward to today, um, you I know. I get to work for you now. Yeah, now you get to work for me. Now that's not true at all. Um, I would say every day is different. I, I would say even, even with homeschooling, it's like some days we take a really deep dive into history and some days we do a ton of math. And I'm not the parent or the mom or... Um, the adult who's like, hey, we have a strict schedule and we hit these marks every single day. I I might thrive in that, but I've never successfully um, done that, executed that. And so instead, what it looks like is I might have a day where, hey, when Ray goes down to nap, I have 150 packages I have to package. And that takes me about an hour and a half. Um, or like, God forbid I did a pre-order and I have like 500 to, to package. That's incredibly overwhelming. And those are the periods where I'm staying up till 1230 in the morning, um, and, and squeezing in high amounts of work in the like margins of my day. But usually I wake up, um, I will admit this cause I have no shame, but I put together that day's Instagram post that morning. I, I think I've only ever pre-created a post like twice in my life. Um, not to say that I'm not like always reading and researching and whatever, but <clears throat> the actual visual parts and the contents of the the caption, I, I do. I work on that every morning. I almost treat it like my own like daily column that I have to write. I don't know. That's how I've just visualized it. And that's um, how, how, and it can get exhausting obviously, but I usually put together my Instagram posts and I try to engage there after we've had our time in the morning and then, you know, the girls come down and then it's like, all right, breakfast and um, are we going to get school done? I usually ask Sophie, like, do you want to start school right now? Do you want to wait till Ray goes down for a rest so that you and me can be more one-on-one? Um, sometimes she's like, yeah, print me off a couple math sheets and, and I'll knock those out right now, you know, if we're not introducing a new topic or something. And, um, and Ruthie just kind of runs around and plays, to be honest. Or she asks for a coloring sheet or um, she looks in her new science books and wants to do a science experiment. And our days are pretty free form. Um, eventually we eat lunch. Eventually I get right on for a nap. Then I try to squeeze in work there as well. And, you know, our kids see me working a lot. Um, I think that's been a transition for them is to see mom have like a phone call. God forbid I have a phone call I have to make and the kids are like, wait, what? We can't ask you for a snack in the next 20 minutes or um, an Instagram live or there are certainly parts where being in in the home and not having a source of childcare and also trying to um, show up in a meaningful way have, have collided a thousand percent. And I think there's two things going on there just to kind of call that out because 
there's definitely the tension of, well, you know, we're, we're trying to raise our kids, but also, yeah, we don't want to work too much. Like we're not, yeah, some days, some weeks we look back, we're like, you know, we need to calm it down a little bit. We need to slow it down. We need to ensure that we're spending enough time with our kids. Let's take them to a bounce house. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's go out to the park. Let's, Hey, this, this weekend, we're going to watch a movie with the kids. And we're going to get into some of those rhythms that we've ins- we've established to ensure that, that that maintains throughout. I also, though, want to say, and this might be a little bit counter the, the, the norm, and I love being counter norm, so here we are. <laughs> um, I want our kids to see us working, and I want them to see us working really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be this, I go to the office, work excruciatingly, excruciatingly hard, come home, and then <laughs> it's all roses, and our kids think that we have this just like, you know, Daisy's life of play and fun and dad's always got energy and um, I want our kids to know and see us living a very intentional life with everything that we do I want them to see that we're getting after it with food and that we're we're trying to source better options that we're constantly trying to make awesome meals Um, that way when they grow up that's the norm I want Mm -hmm. their norm to be higher capacity and stronger than the average yeah and one of the ways to set your kids up that way is to uh, lead by example, to teach them, to let them experience new challenges to, on their own. Um, again, I'm not a parenting expert. This is what this is what I've seen in growing up my own life with my family, but also the way I've seen our kids kind of progress and grow. And so, um, yes, we, we want to spend a lot of good quality time with our kids. And we've got some practices to make sure that we do that, that we'll talk about. But also, our kids seeing us work, I believe to an extent, is a very good thing. And uh, we want them to know that that uh, uh, work is not something that is, hey, we work so that we can get to the weekend so that we can live our life. It's yeah. work is part of life. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, I enjoy work. I do, too. I love it. And, and I want to add, too, that our kids don't just see me working on a computer and say, Mom, you know, what are you doing? Like, they also see me running to the post office and packaging books. and But they also see me, like, doing 45 straight minutes of dishes. Or, like, Sophie will say, like, are we cooking again today, Mom? Like, is that what we're doing? Or when I'm like, hey, we have to get this house clean. It's going to take an hour and a half to clean this house. And she's like, well, why do we have to do that? And I'm like, because this is important that the space we live in is comfortable and inviting and hospitable to people that come over. So they don't just associate work with the computer, although there's like, they certainly understand that that is work. I'm not just like scrolling Facebook on my phone. Um, Actually, I don't really do that ever, but um, they also see the work to run a household. And I think for all moms, everyone who is in the home, Um, Your kids see that. And I think that that's cool too, because that was not my experience growing up. And to, to give my kids this opportunity to say like, I am joyfully working to run this household and it's a blast because we get to create this environment and there's some fun things in that. It's just been really cool. So I think we could continue talking about this for like another couple hours, but let's, uh, let's wrap up this intro into family rhythms and kind of get into some of the things that we planned out for today. And, 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 um, one of the ways that we wanted to set the stage beyond just introing and giving some some background context uh, to ensure that folks that are, that may be listening to this aren't going to read into it too much. And mm-hmm. we, you know, to wrap that all up, it's and to summarize, um, there may be some things that we that we say that we are doing that flat out do not work for you. That is okay. Mm-hmm. There, we do want to encourage 
folks to find rhythms and routines that work for them. I believe in my heart, and I'd be very willing to have a have a discussion. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, like about what, like if you believe rhythms aren't something that can be implemented in your life, uh, because I believe at some level rhythms and routines can be implemented in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. They just look different. So. Yeah. The first thing we want to start off with are some key principles to kind of set the stage here uh, and concepts. Um, and I'm, I'm going to kind of like uh, sh- sh- push us off here into this into this cat- into this new topic uh, by bringing up the dichotomy between rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 similarities between the two, but also the major differences between the two. And as we're discussing this, we're going to be bringing up some ideas that we use in our life for rest. And uh, I was actually talking to my my hair stylist, my hairdresser, um, barber. What's the no, proper term? No, she's a hair stylist. Yeah, but you can say you go to a hairdresser. I mean, I don't even get my hair cut. It's been like seven years, but you can go get your hair cut every six weeks. Okay, so I go get my hair cut and... <laughs> And uh, we, we were we were chatting through some of these ideas that I had for this, and and uh, and we discussed this the, the, this concept or this tension that lies between the idea of recovery versus rest, and I feel like it, it's worth um, saying. And um, we're gonna be talking about rest, and um, but I did want to touch on recovery a little bit as to what the major differences between the two are, mm-hmm. and um, recovery is um was exactly as it sounds if if you've experienced um something traumatic whether in your marriage or in your family in your work in your work in the world in the world there there is a natural process that your body and your brain your heart your soul that that goes that it, that will it'll go through to recover from that now, recovery doesn't mean you forget it, I don't believe, but um, for us, um, recovery has looked um, most recently um, COVID and how that impacted my business. Um, at, at, at its most basic state, um, I sell gathering space. So my company has some old historic buildings that we renovated and turned them into offsite meeting locations for corporate offsite events. Um, it's also a, a you know, destination for consumer research where folks want to get in front of their consumers to unearth insights about brand strategy, marketing, package design, etc. At the end of the day, if people aren't getting together, you can imagine one and two together. Um, COVID was not good to, um, to my company. It was extremely challenging and had two very dark years of business that, that, that um, very much rattled um, our family in a way that, that, that uh, nothing could have prepared us for. And so there was definitely some recovery there. Um, these rhythms and routines that we're going to share today, again, another just prefacing this conversation, did not, um, they were not what we did to help us. Uh, and if anything, there's moments where we tried things like this and they w- failed miserably because of the situation that we were in. And we needed recovery, not rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, you have so anything, anything to add for, for recovery? Um, 
No, I think you covered it well. I, I think there's been a few t- seasons in our life where we've been hit by something really hard and we'd never had the language to, around it to say like, wow, we need to spend some time in recovery. I think we, I'm so thankful you had that conversation with her because that was so enlightening and um, I think you summed it up great. I, I'm curious though, you know, what, what the rest piece is if if we're not in that recovery stage right now, if we're sustaining. Yeah. So like defining rest, Mm -hmm. this one, uh, again, this whole topic is so, um, it can be so tricky because there's so much variance from family to family and what rest looks like, um, for us and for me, because I think I'd love to know what it means to you. Mm -hmm. But for me, rest really looks like, time spent away from distraction and and distraction from our family or distraction from ourselves. Um, If if I wake up in the morning and I have a moment or time of any kind to read and build into my own life, um, whether it's uh, reading scripture, whether it's reading um, a, a new leadership or business book that's inspiration for me, or it's listening to a podcast that you've shared with me, or it's, um, or it's just you and I sitting on the couch chit-chatting. And that is restful for me. That is rest. If it's, if it's spending time with the family and, and investing time in developing new family rhythms that, that our kids look forward to, mm-hmm. uh, that can be restful. Sometimes there's this weird understanding of rest that rest is just the act of doing nothing. And I think, you know what? It's possible that some people out there doing absolutely nothing is restful for you. You might call it something different if you really boil it down. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's... um, you need some. You, need, you want to take a peaceful bubble bath. Um, having alone time, where you are doing nothing but just existing in your thoughts, could be a time where you're recharging your creative energy. Rest is, is rest is a is a period of time set aside to help continue allowing yourself to do the things that you've set out to do to continue to accomplish a mission that you've established. If I believe if you don't know where you're going or what you're planning to do, knowing how to rest is going to be incredibly challenging. Mm. And um, that's going to be some of the stuff that we talk about today. But uh, rest is oftentimes defined by the mission. Yeah, I think that's why I struggle so hard to, <clears throat> to identify what rest looks like for me because uh, sometimes I... I lose sight of the mission. Like, I don't know, not in terms of my work, but in terms of like, goodness, what, what's, what does today hold? Um, and so I go back and forth. I think for a long time, I thought rest was like, oh, Joey and I just need to like spend time together. That's restful. Or, you know, and then you would be like, why don't you go for a run? Like clear your head and get your blood flowing and, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'll go for a run. I used to run a couple times a week in the summers and 
was like, okay, yeah, that's kind of restful. Or, you know, just time at my parents' house where the kids can go play with their toys and I can sit and have coffee with my mom. Like that can be restful. But which all those things are still to this day. But I think for me, I have a much harder time identifying what I need in each moment or in each day or in each like week than you do. I think you're really good at saying like, this is what my body and mind need right now. I struggle with that a little bit. So I think even just hearing you explain that, I was like, yeah, maybe that's why I struggle with that is because I haven't, I also just, I feel like I'm bad at pinpointing my own personal understanding some things. Yeah. And the, the way that I want to wrap that point up with and is another kind of key takeaway from this uh, stage setting section of this discussion that we're in right now. And that's intentional rest. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, unintentional rest is like, for, for me at least, um, you, you walk in the office and, or, or, or like you, you receive a snow day from work or something. And now you're, you, you get a free day and you're just having fun. But like, then you make plans. You, you, you what are we going to do today? It's all intentional. For the most part, I would take the stance that almost all rest in some way or another has some form of intentionality behind it. And I would also say that this point that I wanted to make is, is that much, much of what we find when we're, when we are, much of what we've learned about rest, especially intentional rest, um, is that it starts out as work. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but when you implement a new rhythm or routine of rest into your life, it is going to feel like work and you have to trust the process. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the vision that you've established, the mission, the family values that you've created and say, this is a way that we're going to rest and we're going to buckle down and do it. And you might not feel the benefit of that rest because it's going to feel like work initially Yeah. until you get into a rhythm of doing it and your, and your body is more associated or adapted to that rhythm or your brain or your heart or whatever it is. Or your kids. I mean, especially if you're involving kids in that rhythm, it's there, it's going to be painful for them for a little bit too. Anytime you shake things up, it's mm-hmm. going to feel like work initially. Mm-hmm. And you really have to be diligent about keeping it going, whatever rhythm it is that you choose. So for us, waking up really early, it definitely doesn't start as rest. It's not like you're waking up you know, at 4.45 in the morning and you're like, wow, <laughs> they were right. This is restful. <laughs> I still, It's still work for me, honestly. Once you get out of bed, though, and and you've gotten through that like first 10, 15, 30 minutes of wake up period, right? Next thing you know, you and I are on the couch downstairs and we look at the clock and it's 645 and we've been having a conversation and it's like, you know, we recognize in in that moment, wow, our kids aren't going to be awake for another 30, 45 minutes to an hour and, and we have time. Oh my gosh having time, recognizing that you have time, um, for us, I feel like has, is, is a very freeing feeling. Mm-hmm. So, um, intentional rest starts out as work. 
Um, I wanted to talk about uh, next. I want to talk about burnout. I wanted to define that a little bit. Um, as a small business owner, as small business owners with homegrown in the living room, I wanted to, to, to discuss this. And, and, and I feel like I'm talking way more than I normally do. And so I'm starting to feel uncomfortable because, you know, no, no, I, nobody wants to hear me talk. But. They do. And one, I think that you're leading this conversation because, like I said, you have more clarity on this topic than I do. Um, I would just float aimlessly throughout space and life, <laughs> just tr- going down my interests and with my kids. And so I need structure and I need clarity on this topic. So please tell me about burnout because I know you're passionate about this. I know it's something that I have begun to redefine in my own mind because of our morning conversations. Like if anyone wants to know what our morning coffee looks like, it's pretty much this conversation. So morning, uh, so, so yeah, morning conversations, are, those are, those are fantastic. And let's, let's talk about burnout because as a, as a small business owner, um, I have staff, I have people that work for me. And so I'm very aware of this and I'm, I'm very um, cautious to ever let my team who I, whom I am their protector. I'm there to, to lead the way for them. Um, and I want to ensure that they don't experience this. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about it a tremendous amount. I've listened to other leadership talks, discussing culture and um, being a good leader. And, and, um, and quite frankly, again, I'm, I'm going to be counterculture here a little bit. Um, there is so much BS about burnout mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get too passionate and fiery because I'm, um, I don't want to turn anybody off here. Cause if, if I'm going to be speaking directly towards a triggering thing for you, I apologize, but, um, burnout in a physical description, right? It, it, um, cause, cause I think there's two ways to understand this is real. You're working too much, but let's be clear. Too much work is not 50 hours a week. Oh, shock. But, but, but work week is 40. And what science says is that I should be working 10 and I should be at home and I should be... No. Okay, stop. All right? Um, human beings are capable of working 50 hours a week or more and not burning out. I guarantee you that. Yeah, if you think... Even just think about like before uh, corporate like lifestyle was a... Th- common thing like think about the farmer that has it, to wake up exactly okay and, and it just it really depends on what the work is yeah right that's true. That's so true. if you're working 50 hours a week um in two days yeah right it doesn't work that way right because 24 <laughs> hours see, see what i did there so um, now you're in a situation where um you're sleep deprived if you are sleep deprived see but you see the difference it's not the work that's going to burn you out it's the not sleeping it's the it's the resting it's the, it's the, um, if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, you know, now you're starting to push some serious numbers, right? Of work and you're getting home and you're staying up till 3 a.m. Because your brain is telling you that you need to have more time spent with your family. The, the combination of those two actions are, are burning your body out physically. You're not getting enough sleep. Your brain begins to, to like break down. Like you can't keep up. Um, that is real. That is real. You have to sleep. You need to, you need to be, you know, drinking enough water. You need to be eating good food. You can't be starving yourself. You can't skip a bunch of meals and expect that you can work more and more and more and more. Eventually, your body breaks down. You can't do that. That's real. That's real burnout. So, so why is burnout so prevalent? 
You know, I know a lot of people that will say, I, I just worked a 50-hour week. I'm wiped. And it's like, if you really boil down the amount of actual work they're doing, like actual work, even if you're in the office for 50 hours a week, you know, how, how many of those hours are you, you know, looking at your phone? How many hours are you? Okay, now this is not me saying that, oh my gosh, go work harder. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm really not. I'm just, I'm really trying to overemphasize that there's something else at play here because mm-hmm. burnout's real. And I believe you can burn out working 20 hours a week. And I, I know that that's going against everything I just said. I, there's a difference between physical burnout and mental burnout. Mental burnout is something that I believe occurs when you are working on something that is not fulfilling for you. You are not passionate about it. You have not identified a mission of where you're going, where this is taking you next. Mm -hmm. If you have a job and you show up at that job every day and you don't even know why you're there, you can burn out working 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week. Just in a day even, yeah. Because the draining feeling that your body goes through when you're doing something that feels meaningless Mm -hmm. is completely different than when you do something that feels fulfilling. So when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel fulfilled with what you're accomplishing that day, burnout starts to set in very quickly. And again, I think this applies to um, motherhood culture too, because it's often hard. Like sometimes we don't think about like what our end vision is for, you know, raising our kids. Sometimes we're just changing 12 diapers in a day. And it's like, well, what is the vision here? What's the mission? And so I think I personally have benefited from reshaping how I see that. And like, no, this day, this time, it matters. And this is the envision. And it's helpful because I can kind of see like, hey, 11 years into parenthood, I can see the fruits of our labor. But for moms too, like especially young parents, it, it can feel that way. It can feel burnout because of the sort of monotony or lack of um, mission maybe. Um, I'm, I'm curious too, like hearing you talk, when you were in the middle of COVID and there was really like no end in sight and we were just continuously like, you know, it was to the point where like our governor was saying you couldn't meet more than eight people in a room. So of course, like our business was suffering. Was there moments in those months? Because it was two years yeah, and we had a baby in that time. Um, yeah. And I've, I've personally never, never seen you like that. Was that burnout or was that something different? I think, I think you, I think I could have called it some of it burnout um, because the vision was destroyed. Right. And, and, and it took me a long time through that trauma to recover, to, to um, establish a new mission, a new vision for the company, for our family. All of a sudden, some of my family vision was being destroyed. Yeah. Some of the legacy that I was hoping to leave behind was being destroyed. And um, yeah, I think, I think there was, I think there was some feelings of burnout there. So I, I mean, I was, um, cause you weren't working 60 hours a week. You, you were still going to the office, but like no one was there. Yeah. Let me be clear. I was going to work every day. Um, I had nothing to do. And that was way more painful than having a 70-hour week that mm-hmm. I'm working my butt off. Um, I would show up at the office. I had laid off my entire staff. 
and I would open my computer and then I would, I would, and then all of a sudden it would set in that, that I, you know, I had a whole day of work to try to get in and I had to, and I, I didn't know what to do. And, um, I didn't know when it was going to end. Uh, I would try to be hopeful and I would, and every, every now and then I'd have a week where, that would come up and I would, I would muster up a bunch of strength and energy and, and, and passion for, for what once was. And, um, and then, you know, after two or three days of, of, uh, going through numbers and, and looking at marketing ideas or, or reaching out to old, old, um, clients and, and, and asking them like, you know, what's going on? And like, Hey, we'd love to have you back in. Um, I would get beat back down. I'd get beat back down. So, um, back to that, what I was saying before, um, there was days I just watched YouTube to be completely honest. Um, I had nothing, to, I had nothing going on. I mean, we were, we had no business and no one was booking with us. So the, um, the burnout was, was definitely real some of those days. And, um, um, I felt, you know, felt, felt that, uh, felt that pain. Now, very thankful to see, you know, business coming back the way that it has been. And, um, um, and, and I can't, obviously can't speak to this as a mother, but as a, as a, as a father and as a uh, small business owner and somebody that, that, uh, does work very hard. And I consistently put in weeks of over 40 hours a week, uh, working, whether it's at the office, um, or even at the office. And once I get home, um, there's nothing more mentally straining than not having a vision, not having a mission. And so uh, before we get to that next, you know, kind of talking about what our family values are um, to kind of give people some examples of why we do what we do and how we kind of can stay fulfilled, how we can wake up as early as we did today to record this podcast. Um, I wanted to talk about capacity. It's another buzzword in the business world, at least for me and in in in, uh, uh, in my in my uh, realm. But uh, capacity. So often, people that are that have a full time job or a career, or that are that are a parent or or um, a part time job, whatever it is, you have capacity, and. In our current culture, people's capa- people are too busy. Everybody's capacity is filled up. Now, I believe everybody's cup fills up eventually. And everybody's cup can fill up. Every, everyone's cup is different size, mm-hmm. right? So when I, when, I, when I say that, I mean <clears throat> when your cup fills up and you can't and there's no more water that can go into that cup, boom, you're at capacity and you can't take on any more work, any more xyz however i believe capacity and what we're capable of taking on can fluctuate and and i think that we can intentionally grow our capacity for work and for family and for for anything Mm -hmm. it's just like working out if i lift every other day or every day and I consistently put on an extra two and a half pounds or five, eventually after a while you recognize I'm lifting more weight than I was before. If 
I start waking up 30 minutes earlier, all of a sudden, I'm not this person that shows up at the office and says, yeah, I just cannot wake up in the morning. They ask, what time do you wake up? Well, I started waking up five minutes earlier every day for blah, 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 or every week, or every month. Now I'm waking up at seven instead of nine. And it feels normal. Your capacity has changed. Now, it's a minor change, right? I wake up an hour and a half earlier. But that's, you have more time. You're, the, the, the amount of day and work and life that you can take on has increased. Capacity is fluctuating. Um, it goes the other way as well. Mm-hmm. Capacity can fluctuate in a negative way. Um, my capacity fluctuated in a horrible way during COVID. I wasn't doing anything except suffering, right? I would show up at the office and I didn't have a lot of work to do. So for the first couple of months when when the business came back and started to boom again, it was very challenging for me. I felt at capacity. Mm-hmm. I would come home and be, how was, how was work today? Oh, it was great, but I'm wiped. What, what did you do? Well, I had two groups in. Well, now I have I can have four groups in every day for a week and come home and be, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Mm-hmm. That was a great week. Well, how, how to, well, what did you do today? Well, I had four groups in. I have four groups tomorrow. And boom, we're ready to, ready to get after it. And my, my capacity has changed. And, and so um, my, my advice to everybody is be aware of, of behavior and rhythms that can be destruct, destructive. Mm-hmm. That can either... <clears throat> yeah, I think when you get into this rhythm of like... Sleeping in is a great example. Um, if you're sleeping in all the time, then waking up early feels so challenging. And um, honestly, you have less hours in the day to get stuff done if you're sleeping until nine. Now, most people have to be like at an office, but um, not most people. Some people have to be at an office by eight or nine. So, uh, but I think even the biggest thing, like I remember when I was trying to finish the early elementary workbook and I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this without like childcare. And it took me two years to write the first book. And, um, you know, I'm just really feeling stuck. Like that was a really challenging resource for me to, to finish. And you, you told me, you said, you need to be waking up every day at five 30 and spending at least two hours on this thing. And I did that and all of a sudden I had it um, I had it done and off to the editor. And I was like, wow, I if I had not made that change to increase my literal like daytime hours, um, you know, maybe go to bed like an hour earlier, don't stay up till 1130, but um, I would have never finished that resource. And so that's just an example of like, I set a rhythm in, I was increasing my capacity in the morning to work. Um, and some people are the opposite. One of my friends, Hannah, she cranks out work in the evening and she is so productive that way. For a long time, she was like, I want to wake up early. Can you be my accountability partner? And I was like, sure. But then she was like, actually, I stayed up and got a ton of stuff done, but I need sleep tonight or this morning. <laughs> so it's not just a, it's not always waking up early. Sometimes people are night owls and they want to stay up late. Either way, it's that idea of adding in marginal time to stretch your productivity when you have a specific mission. If I was just waking up two hours earlier to just sit on my phone and scroll, that wouldn't make sense. But I had a really clear mission. I want to finish this resource for Ruthie 
and and put it out into the world and that we did it it's pretty awesome and so hey um to kind of summarize these principles we discussed because um, we're moving on rest recovery they're different uh, both are very necessary both are very powerful um, today we're gonna be focusing primarily on rest and some of the ways that we've identified how we can rest um, um, recovery is very different and if you're in a, it just I really want to emphasize if you're in a position or a place where you experience something um, you know one I can relate I've been there um, separate discussion maybe on how I recovered because um, again I'm not an expert I'm not a, I'm not a um, psychologist I, I'm not someone that can advise someone that's been through trauma on how to recover because it's it's super real and I think it's different for everybody um, Recognize what stage of life you're in. Uh, that's big. Intentional rest starts as work. Don't forget that as we're going into this. Yeah. Some of these ideas that we share with you, you might go home and try and they bomb. You're like, well, they worked for Liz and Joey. Well, okay, it's going to start out as work. It takes a little bit. Trust the process. Yep. Um, burnout. <clears throat> there's physical burnout. There's mental burnout. Physical burnout. If you're physically burning out, you need to draw back on how much you're working, how much you're staying up. Um, I mean, it, you need rest. You need sleep. You need to physically you need to address. Tr- you need to do a. Tr- you need to physically address the situation. Right. If you are not, if you're getting like three hours of sleep a day, um, you are going to physically burn out. You're going to physically burn out. Mental burnout. Um, do you have a mission and vision in place? And we're going to get to that right now. That's what we're going to talk about. Do you have a vision and mission in place that kind of are going to take you from a place of burning out at ten hours a week to you're ready to get after it and you're you're walking into your 49th, 50 hour of work week. Uh, if you know where you're going and you know why you're doing what you're doing, everything's different. Mm-hmm. Your capacity can grow. It, it, it can fluctuate. It, it, um, it can grow. It can diminish. Um, be aware of the, the, um, the diminishing rhythms. Be aware. Watch out for them. Don't let them happen. Now, now I want to get into family values for for a fulfilling life. What is that vision? What is that mission? And actually, uh, I want you to find this. You sent it to me um, recently, a message of what we're hoping to accomplish. And it was, it, was, it was a fantastic way to articulate our mission, especially with kind of what we do here and what, what home, the mission of Homegrown is. Um. And it was something about changing the narrative of, um, you remember what I'm talking about? No, I sent you this. Yeah, it was something about, it was something about um, changing the the narrative of. Um, anyways, we'll find that. We'll, we'll we'll share it. Maybe I'll I'll quote it in the show notes. Yeah, um, but that that's a great one. But um, I want to talk about to, to start with some of their family values. Uh, we'll talk about you know homegrown's mission. And the vision for for homegrown, and then um, um, and anything else that we miss, we can always kind of follow up on. But uh, um, legacy, legacy is a huge one. What we're doing is not something that we want to do just for ourselves. But if anything, I'm willing to sacrifice and work really hard um, to to establish legacy uh, for my family and for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I'm working my, with my small business, I don't want it to be a lifestyle business. I don't want it to be a business that makes me a lot of money so I can drive a nice car 
Um, I want it to be a business that grows and has longevity behind it. It's something that uh, my kids can be there. Their their kids, my grandkids, my great grandkids, can be um, at the buildings that we own mm-hmm. or experiencing benefits from the companies that we've built. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I'm that I'm very passionate about. Um, I know that we've we discussed, and, I, and if, if you, I mean, because I have the notes, I can I can leave the next one and let you talk about it. But there's this idea of positivity and joyfulness. Why don't you tell me about tell tell me and us and the, the, the listeners kind of what that means to our family? You're really the driver behind this because if anyone knows us personally, you know Joey's like one of the most annoyingly positive people in the world, and I tend to be not that way. I'm naturally. I think everyone honestly is not, everyone is naturally negative. You just have to push yourself really hard to be positive. I think Joey, you do a lot of work to maintain a positive outlook and it's something you've even built into the core values of your own small business. Um, what's the phrase we have on our shirt? Positive. Be the energy. Be the energy. Yeah. Like we're, we're positively impacting people in places. That's like living rooms, you know, one of their core values, which I was on the team when we created that, which was cool. But uh, it's also part of our family. Like a lot of what we do in our work just is a reflection of our family values in that, um, gosh, especially in the last two years, we, I think we're all inundated with negativity and no one needs to bring more to the world right now. Like we don't need more negativity. We need light and hope. Um, when you're a believer, a Christ follower, like we're, we're told to bring that to people to, um, yeah, just to bring a lightness into the room when we go there. And we, we're not successful at this all the time. It's, it's something I am really bad at often. But it's it's a family value. It's something that I'm trying to teach our kids. Um, even when I stumble through and fail at it, it's something that I want them to see. Because I, I can see when my kids pick up on my negativity and their inkling is to also be like, oh, I didn't have any fun or... Mm. um just walk into scenarios kind of with a sour attitude instead of saying, Hey, my emotion is telling me this, um, that my goal when I visit my grandpa and my Mimi is to bring them light. So how can I reconcile those Mm -hmm. two things? This isn't how I'm feeling, but this is my action that I want to bring forward. How can I do that? Uh, So yeah, that's another way we've already kind of touched on is for us, um, hard work. It's a value that we have. And, um, Every now and then, Sophie will look at me and be like, "Well, I guess, I guess I'll just I won't watch this show right now, and I'll help you finish up the dishes because that's you know that's what a warrior would do. That's what a Hazelmeyer will do." Yeah, and it's like she's getting it. She is getting it. Now I'm not trying to rob her of her childhood, but um, I want her to grow up with this idea, this understanding that hey, hard work is something that we do, and it's one of the ways that we've gotten to where we are, and. I love that. Also, work is part of childhood. I don't know why we assume that childhood is all play and no work. It's absolutely part of is part of childhood. Being challenged in an age appropriate way is one of the most impactful things I think we can do for our kids. It's why we got Sophie a pocket knife at Christmas because we knew her maturity could handle it. it's why you took her hunting last year. It's why you've taken her to the office to help you work. Again, we're not like forcing her to do child labor. We're we're setting an example in an age-appropriate way of what work looks like. 
And for her two parents, they just happen to both do things that we love. So it's not like, you know, we're taking them to this awful grind that we also hate. It's not that. So, yeah. We also have goals that we'll establish. And we talk about these very frequently. Um, and, and values are things that kind of help us shape what those goals are going to be. Um, and those goals or these missions are other things that help us um, work really hard to do what we want to do, right? Uh, one of them is um, we have a goal of getting out to some property, um, having space with a home and or homes that can house um, our family, mm-hmm. your parents, yeah, my parents, anyone else that would want to be on that property, and creating a... Um, almost like a Hazelmeyer, our family hub where we can all, we can all live together. And and we have a very, we're very passionate about our family and us being together and having that goal and something that we're working towards, um, can, can help with everything that we do, right? It's like how we save our money to how we spend our money to how we, you know, work extra hard, put the time in. And when I wake up in the morning and, um, I really don't want to do this thing, I can look at our goals and think, but I want that. And the reason that I want that is because we care so much about legacy mm-hmm. and we want to have a positive impact. And you know what? Hard work is something I'm going to do today because I want people around me to see me that I'm doing hard work. People at my office, I want them to see me doing hard work. I want people in my house. I want you to see me working hard. I want my kids to see me working hard. Uh, it's a value that we have. Um, any, anything else on that? No, I think you covered it. And I think the reason why you want people to see you working hard is not out of this like performance mentality, look at me, but to be just a, an example of like, hey, when when everyone is like rowing the boat, it's freaking awesome. Um, and so you just, your your existence is to lead by example. It's something you're really good at. It's something that you're teaching me how to do better. Um, and the two biggest ways I see you do that is your positivity and honestly your hard work. And I know like grit is a big word for you and, uh, it it sometimes gets a bad rap, but you don't mean just like put your head down and, and grunt through it. You mean let's have purposeful hard work because this is our mission. So right on. Let's jump into some of our family rhythms, some of the things that we've Finally. established. Oh That's my gosh, funny. sorry everybody, holy smokes. We had to you can't up. tell that we talk about this on a regular basis, then I don't know. <laughs> um, why, don't you, why don't you introduce some of what our family rhythms look like? Yeah, so I think this part of the episode is just really getting into the practical. Like we sort of have been in the high level philosophical why we are doing what we're doing. The strategic approach, if you will, high level. Yeah, and now we're going to get into like what we actually have done in this current season. And some of these things are new. This is the tactical boots on the ground approach. Okay. Yeah. You can subtitle it however you want. <laughs> but um, you want me to just go through what we're, go what our current rhythms are? Get after are? it. Yeah. I've got them all written down here, but, but uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll fill in any blanks. So one of the biggest things like we've talked about is this idea of waking up early. And I think um, whether you have kids or not, I think waking up before you start your work day or your home day, whatever that looks like, which, you know, obviously work happens in the home too, uh, is so important. And again, for us as believers, like spending time in the morning, reading our Bible, praying with the Lord is really um, filling for us and necessary and um you know, we're sort of walking in obedience in that daily rhythm, but it's something that benefits us. And so 
yeah, you're the one that modeled that. I mean, I remember when we were, what were we just even dating and you bought me like two Bibles and a, and a worship CD or no, you bought me a, I think it was a Christmas muse, a Christmas CD by, um, Francesca Battistelli that was like, I was like, okay, so you got me a Christian artist CD, a read your Bible in a year and a regular Bible. Like, are you trying to tell me something? I'm so obnoxious. And in the Bible you wrote, and I still, this is a Bible I read out of today. You said, um, how are you challenging yourself? Question mark. Love you always, Joey. And I just remember reading that and being like, all right, like I, I challenge accepted. I don't know. So I've gone in and out of seasons of being really diligent about waking up early and reading scripture or like listening to worship or whatever. Um, right now, currently in this season, it's top priority. So um, that's one of the first things we do. And then uh, so we have enough time built into our mornings too to not only read separately. Um, we also have books that we're reading on a regular basis because we're always in a new book. Right now I'm reading about American um kitchens in the 1950s and 60s and it's fascinating to me and I think you're reading like a three different leadership books so we have sort of our like spiritual time we have our growth like our mental stretching and um, research time whatever that looks like and then we usually have coffee together and sit on the couch and chat from anywhere from like five minutes to an hour it just depends on the time you need to get into the office or the time that we actually were successful at waking up you know, sometimes that's 5.30, sometimes that's 7.30. It, there's such a range. Um, we're trying really hard to be more consistent in that, but it's hard. Um, especially when, like, there are days where you don't get home from the office till 7.30, and then it's, like, it throws your whole evening routine off, which then seeps into the next day. So waking up early, having that time, um, reading the Bible, reading for, what would you call that, pleasure, for reading for work? I think... There's there's um, intentional spiritual growth, which is uh, reading through scripture, praying, you know, having that kind of time alone time. Then there's intentional um, intellectual growth, mm-hmm. and that's where I am. I am not choosing very many, if any, books purely for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've grown to enjoy reading them. I do enjoy it. Um, not everybody's going to enjoy that. Yeah. But for me, I read books that will immediately affect and or can apply to my business so I can read this book and I can be a better leader to my staff I can treat them better I can better understand concepts like burnout I can um, come up with better ways of running the finances at our in our business I can read a book and then all of a sudden I'm having a meeting with my controller and saying hey I have, I have all these new ideas and oh by the way I also bought you this book let's read it together and I want, you, I want to implement these new systems mm-hmm. so um, it's spiritual, it's intellectual growth. Um, and then there's, there's uh, relational yeah. investment, right? Where um, it is important that you and I have time that we can talk. And, and quite frankly, those conversations look a lot like this. Yeah. And it, this is almost, this is kind of where this idea for this podcast came about. Is that like, wow, we're always talking about this and we're always benefiting so much from these conversations that we're having. And, um, you know, let's, 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 let's share this with people. Yeah, and sometimes it would be like, I have a conflict. I need help working through it. Sometimes it's like, hey, um, I have this idea for Homegrown. I don't know how to hash it out. Or I have this idea for um, a TV series. Like, how do we how do we make this a reality? And it's like, it's crazy that those morning conversations have birthed 
actual things that we can look at and say like this would have never happened if we didn't have this conversation um but it's not always just big dreams sometimes it is like hey we're dealing with this challenge with this child how can we help it or hey I feel this tension in this relationship I think it's my pride what do I do you know so um yeah that that time in the morning hitting those three boxes is really key um the next the next thing that we've been we've implemented is is that uh we we work out every other day yeah um today's an off day tomorrow will be a workout day and again working out is one of those things where you're using energy mm-hmm. um and it's a way to increase capacity but it is the way that we're physically um in investing ourselves physically one thing i want to say on that too as you're talking about you know rest feels like work rest is also expensive sometimes and so we waited a long time i think you've been working out in our like basement gym quotes for a year at least um i think i started working out with you in november and we just now for the first time purchased like legitimate weights (laughs) and uh it it's not something that we just like flippantly bought um we waited for a long time we uh strategically bought in a specific month and um rest is is an investment not only of time but also finances and so sometimes you have to spend money to to achieve that rest effectively i call that concept getting some skin in the game yeah and so what i well what i will tell um my staff or what i do at my business or even what i do at home is is that if you want to if you want to hyperspace a new initiative or a rhythm or a routine that you want to activate in your life get some skin in the game hey you want to start working out more buy some workout equipment get the membership now we all know we all know that uh, buying a pair of running shoes could end up becoming a a fun pair of sneakers that you wear around Um, or that buying some workout equipment can become some door stoppers or that gym membership can sit in your wallet for two years and you'd be paying on it all those years and not go. I know that that can happen, but getting some skin in the game is definitely a good way of, um, is kickstarting these kinds of ideas, especially if you wanted to amplify something. So you, you're already doing something and you want to enhance it. Yeah. So, Hey, you know what? We're working out and it's, it's getting tough, man. We've been doing it for now. You know, I've been kind of going every other day now for about, you know, a year, maybe 16 months. And, uh, you've been kind of pretty consistent working out with me and um, we've identified this being a very critical, important thing in our lives. We don't pay a membership, um, did the math, did a lot of research, found an all-American made company that makes workout equipment and saved up some money and then waited some more, right? Yeah. And then bought the equipment and... Um, I think it was like three times you were like, hey, can we buy this? And I was like, no, let's wait. Yeah. And you were like, hey, can we buy this? And I was like, nope. And then finally you were like, hey, let's buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, why, don't you t- why don't you talk about the... So so working out. Um, it's a daily rhythm. We're investing in ourselves physically. A weekly rhythm. Um, and um, why don't you talk about Sabbath? Yeah, so this is a new one for us. We, I think, are going into our fifth sabbath um this week but i just honestly i'll be really transparent and say i was um doing dishes in the kitchen and i honestly just felt like the lord was like hey if you want to continue on this path of growth and 
really pursuing these specific passions you have, you need to protect your time that's outside of work, quote, work, like homegrown work. Um, And I was like, oh, I think there's something to be said there, obviously. Um, And so I, I basically was like because we had we had thrown around this word sabbath before and um sabbath means something to it means something different to everyone um different religious uh affiliations mean something with sabbath and so we're we're not going to get into that but for us it was this intentional decision to say hey we're going to mark a time in the week that's going to be a 24-hour period where we intentionally stop or pause all discussions about Um, our careers quote like anything living room related anything homegrown related any future dreams of like future businesses whatever we're gonna stop that so that we can leave room for us to relate together not just about work Um, that was something I was seeing is like yeah we were having awesome conversations but it was always work related it's the same thing like when you go out to dinner and and all you can talk about is your kids, you know, like I'll never forget that scene in Everybody Loves Raymond where they're talking about the bread and the butter and it's like they have nothing to converse about because <clears throat> they haven't been in that rhythm. So uh, it was partially a relational uh, motivation to stay in tune with you outside of work. Um, it was also a pause in like it's really overstimulating to be on social media as much as sometimes your business asks you to be. And I personally don't have like a team. Um, I know a lot of people have virtual assistants or, you know, someone helping create content or someone posting or editing or whatever. I don't have that. And um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I personally enjoy um, the work I'm doing right now. But because of that, it's so important for me to take 24 hours off of social media. Um, as as dumb as that sounds, I know social media gets such a bad rap, but it's really a powerful tool. And if you use it the right way, it can be beneficial to your life. The problem is the responsibility is on the consumer, not the platform. So, so often when people are, are dogging on this or that, um, you're just using it the wrong way. You're, you're looking for something that shouldn't be found on social media. And so... I try really intentionally to use social media the right way, which also means I take a break from it every week. Um, And then finally, like it gives me a day or at least a time to say, hey, I'm not going to check emails. I'm not going to fulfill orders. Um, Because when you are a work at home person, you don't have the same like boundaries and structure of like, hey, I'm physically leaving my office right now. I know that you come home from the office and you still can like open up your email, but it's it's even more fluid as someone mm-hmm. who works here. Yeah. Um, like even now I'm looking at like boxes of inventory and my shipping equipment and it's just like it's all around me all the time. And so um, that's a big part of the motivation for Sabbath. But the other part of Sabbath that I really have enjoyed is not just the like, okay, now let's hurry up and stop all work. But it's setting the stage for that to happen successfully. So my mom studied um, Sabbath for a summer. She read a couple books on it and she did some teachings on it. And I've sat through those teachings. There's a fantastic book um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I actually haven't read yet, but a lot of my friends have read. And if you're interested in Sabbath, that's the book I highly recommend. But um, the other point of it is, is this preparation attitude of saying like, hey, 
um, if we want to enjoy our space, let's get our house nice and clean. Let's start our week fresh and anew every time. Um, let's prepare a special meal that's going to be both enjoying to make and also like exciting for our kids to eat. We can do little things like have a special drink for the kids. We usually do a dessert that night. Um, and so it's usually like send down on Friday to send down on Saturday. And in that time, yeah, it's, it's, um, we don't take the approach of like, we don't do housework or we don't drive or any of that, but it's, it's an intentional time to pause our work related efforts, focus on family. Um, it gives, it puts pressure on sort of like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get our business in order to fulfill the things that we need to fulfill and also like get our house in order. And it's teaching our kids like, Hey, we can step away and our, our success is not 100% reliant on our physical work, but like the Lord provides for us. So that's really where that came from. I've loved it uh, for all of those reasons. And, um, and, and we're going to get into this, this next part here, which I think is really good. And, and that's that, um, during COVID when, when I was, uh, our family was feeling it. It's not just me. I definitely probably felt it the most, the heaviest. Um, but, um, we did what, what, uh, society tells us we should have done to try to rest during a time where we needed recovery. And that was, we got a sitter, like our parents watched our kids and we spent money we didn't have. Mm-hmm. We went out, we went out to an extremely expensive restaurant. And, um, I remember, and I recall almost immediately after we sat down that we had almost nothing to talk about. Um, it completely flopped. It was a bad date mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it almost further emphasized the problems. And if anything, it was, it was a negative in our time. It, it really made us feel horrible. Food was delicious. They did a great job. The restaurant, not their fault. Um, we couldn't date each other. Because we didn't have the practice, we didn't have the rhythm, we didn't have the strength, we didn't have the muscles that were required to go on a date. And right now, one of the reasons why the Sabbath has been really powerful is that in the first couple of weeks, we fought on the Sabbath. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I think one of the reasons why that happened is is that the muscles that we were used to flexing to to, to engage with each other were all work-related, which for a while felt good. It was like, hey, we can talk to each other now. We, we've been having these morning chats. We're 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 practicing these muscles of, of, um, you know, you, you, like the constant, um, hey, let's just sit down and talk for a while, and and it's like, oh, what are we gonna talk about? I don't know. Well, now it's like, yeah, it's we're, we've been doing it so much now that that's easy. We can sit down and just talk. Hey, let's just not watch. Let's just not watch TV tonight. Let's just talk. The only reason why we can actually pull that off is because we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, take out a major topic for discussion, topics for discussion, and all of a sudden that became challenging. Mm-hmm. And and take away the idea to be able to work, now we don't have that. And thus expectations of what that time was going to be and how it was going to be restful, it was very hard. It was very intentional. And so we've begun growing these muscles of conversing and talking with each other and being together without the stimulating factor of work. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
that in itself has been really, really awesome. And, and that has been playing into this next rhythm that we've established. And that's, um, I'm calling it here, the weekly bonus night. Yeah. Um, and this is something that we went back and forth on for a couple months. Um, and it's not a weekly date night because we've only really gone out to dinner together one time. Um, and even in that, our conversation was largely work-related. Um, it's a time where we have a, a babysitter that comes over with the girls. Um, you know, especially with me being a stay-at-home homeschool mom, I am with my kids 24-7, which is a blessing. And it's also a reality that I think other homeschool parents feel is that um, the only space built into our day is either in the morning or in the evening. And I felt like Joey and I were capitalizing on our morning time and we were trying to get to bed earlier. And um, so we were flexing those muscles and we were really trying to get the most out of that time. And yet there was still a second need to have some space away um, from the kids on a regular basis. Now, I will say this doesn't have to be like a weeknight. Um, you know, one of my friends made the great point of like, hey, if you have kids, go in the Saturday afternoon when kids are napping or um, do a day date because then you're not taking up like, oh, I have to get off work and I got to go home and I got to get ready for this date and whatever. But the point is it's a it's a weekly rhythm to say or, or biweekly or once a month. It's whatever works for your family. I would say right now, Joey and I are in a season where um, our businesses are are demanding some attention from us, and also our family growth is, um, we're just in a growth period, I feel like, and so because of that, we want to make sure that we build in time because there are times where we have to record a podcast, and we have all the mornings accounted for, and we still need time. So like tonight's a great example. We have a babysitter coming over and we're going to record a podcast. Another podcast. Another one. As we're talking, we're going to be recording um, again. And so, you know, I, I know that like the financial piece always comes up on here. Like I can't afford a weekly date night. I get that and I understand and neither could we, um, which is why we never did it. I also want to preface, not saying that this is like an excuse. This has been the sixth time in our marriage in the history of us being together. To further emphasize. Yeah. This will be the sixth. No, fifth. I don't remember. All of these weekly rhythms or all of these rhythms are relatively new. The mornings are not. Those have been around for a little while. The Sabbath and the Sabbath is a little bit newer. And then the, and then the babysitter um, is newer. And this will be like the fifth time with a sitter mm -hmm. since we've been married. And it's not something that, well, not the fifth babysitter. I mean, rhythm. Regular. Yeah. Um, can you imagine? We just never had a sitter. Um it's not that we expect this rhythm to last into eternity either. Like we talked about, hey, let's try this and see how long it works. Um, see how long we are benefiting from it. And if at some point we're no longer benefiting from it, like we can end it. But I think it was really nice to say I had the liberty to make this boundary with, with my time because I was, I had exhausted all the other means of getting things done. Um, I think if you can't sacrifice time in the morning or you can't sacrifice time for maybe your job, like if your job's just crazy and you, you can't spend any time with your family, then that's another conversation. But we were, we were in pretty good rhythms of like, Hey, you were home and, um, we're in the mornings and the evenings and we're with our kids. 
there's another piece we need here. And we've had a, we've had children our entire relationship, so we've never had a period or like a season of life where it's just been me and Joey, which um, is both nice, but it can also be challenging. So that was another piece that kind of played into why we were like, hey, for the first time in our relationship together, we are going to prioritize some time set apart so that we have the option to be together. Now, last week we didn't, and you had something, and I went and had dinner with a friend, and it was awesome. Time before that, we went out. The time before that, we recorded a podcast. So it's like, it's, it's, I like the bonus night term. Um, I think Pete, the way that people can apply this in their life is to figure out, okay, first of all, am I doing the other low, am I accessing the other low hanging fruit, which would be the other rhythms we already talked about, a weekly Sabbath waking up early in the morning, um, whatever that looks like for you. If those boxes are all checked, I think you you should give yourself the liberty to explore what it might look like to have some external help. Right on. Um, anything else on, on weekly bonus night? I don't think so. Let's, uh, as we, as we begin to wrap it up here, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and summarize some of what our family rhythms are again for people to, to, um, yeah, we've been talking a lot. Um, in case you missed something, <laughs> I, waking up early. We wake up early. Uh, we read. We have coffee. We talk together. We pray. Um, that's our morning. Uh, working out. We're, we're investing in ourselves physically. We work out every other day. Um, it's something that I hope we never stop. I love it. Um, weekly Sabbath, no work Friday sundown to Saturday sundown and then weekly bonus night. And this bonus night could be work, could be a date, could be hanging out with friends. It's a, it's a miscellaneous day that everybody needs Mm -hmm. and that we've identified that we desperately have been needing. Could be that we need to get more work done. Yeah. Could be that we uh, um, need to spend time with our friends. Could be that we need to have a date night. It's there. It's ready for us. Um, we're good to go. Um, all of these rhythms, all of these family values, the mission, uh, some of these principles and talking about rest and recovery. Um, you know, we're doing all of this because, because we're on a journey and a mission towards something. And so if, if there's anything you get out of this, it's identifying and figuring out what that mission, what that vision is. And I'll tell you, if you've done marital counseling or you've talked to somebody or pastors and they've said, hey, what's your family vision? It honestly can, can sometimes sound really lame. And, you know, shame on all the people that have been out there trying to promote this idea because you've done a terrible job. <laughs> Quite frankly, I've always been a little bit anti the idea of a family mission. Because people talk about it and it sounds so nerdy and sounds so just unappealing. I didn't know that. We're not talking about the flimsy, you know, we, you know, we want to be the most powerful, blah, 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 or most spiritual. No, it like, what is it that's going to get you out of bed in the morning earlier than you are now? What is it that's going to shake up your family dynamic because it's so audacious and awesome and you're so passionate about it that working 30 hours a week isn't going to burn you out i think i think the thing you're pointing to is that so often when people say what's your family mission 
people are answering with their family's standards. Like, hey, we, we want to be a really health-conscious family. No, that's a standard. That's not a mission unless you turn it into a mission. Um, we want to be a really charitable family. That a, might a, be- mission, a mission can be, that's beautiful. It's a great transition into what we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here with. And mm-hmm. that's, your mission can be, um, and what ours has been for a while, is this journey and this path towards uh, real food and nutrition. And that part of that journey, that mission, is that we want to change the way people see and view real food um, everywhere across the world. We want everyone to see and feel the way that real food and nutrition can affect their lives. Uh, we believe that there are um, true benefits and upsides to making a intentional investment in your nutritional um, health. Um, so as we're kind of on this real food journey, what are some ways that we've been helping equip and inspire people um, to continue that or to start it? Are you asking me? I'm asking. <laughs> so, I mean... That's that's the whole reason why this podcast even exists is because Homegrown was born out of this need for our family to, we had a standard that turned into a mission um, and that was to equip our kids. I, I Maybe the quote you were thinking of earlier was my homegrown mission, which is to shape the way the next generation views food and farming. There it is. Um, food, farming, and stewardship of health. I added that third piece in there because... I, I want our kids to know what food is and where it comes from, but I also want them to understand their personal responsibility and how it impacts the world around them, the economies around them, um, farming um, practices have ripple effects, right? So how can we engage in a in a capitalistic culture for our benefit and for the, the other people's benefit that are also in that society? So um, the standard set in motion into a mission is homegrown and that's why we have the workbook the children's nutrition curriculum that's why we have the early elementary workbook that's why we have um the what's for dinner meal plan because again it was a standard that we had to cook dinner every night or roughly every night um but getting there getting from point a to point b was proving to be challenging so that's why this podcast exists. And even if you see in the subtitle, it's uh, sharing the story of true or real food, real farming, and real family, because this is a holistic approach to our lives. Um, and that's why we even deemed this conversation appropriate today on the podcast, because nourishment isn't, like I said in the beginning, it's not just food. Nourishment comes in all forms. So if there's any resource or any bit of media or content or... Um, gosh, inspiration that we can curate for people, that's what we want to do. And we've created things even beyond just free inspirational content like what this podcast is, free. Right. And um, we've also created some things out there that, that are for purchase. And if you want to support this podcast and support this mission, you can go out and buy those. Not only to support us, but to support you. Yeah, support your own family. And um, we've got dinner guides with what's for dinner. Um, go grab that. That's That's... Meals, recipes, shopping lists, everything you'll need to um, alleviate some of the initial stress, right? Get some skin in the game to alleviate the stress of um, having nutritious, delicious family dinners. Boom. Mm-hmm. Get, get what's for dinner. We've got educational resources for, um, for, for kids. 
um, you know, really in the preschool to fourth, fifth, sixth grade, um, hey, that, that quote you just said of shaping the next generation and their understanding of uh, food, farming, and what did you call it? Stewardship of health. Um, get those books. Um, you know, those, those, those curriculums, those are, those, are, those are awesome. And finally, there's, there's some content for you, for, for adults, and that's the Real Food Guide. Um, all of this can be found at homegrowneducation.org. Go on to that website. Awesome stuff on there. Um, get on there. Get after it. Get some skin in the game. And, and keep, keep pushing this thing. Keep pushing this thing forward. Um, additionally, obviously, as, as, as Elizabeth or Liz mentioned, keep listening to this podcast. We're going to keep churning out content for you. Um, it will be free for as long as we can keep it this way. And, um, and then find us on Instagram. If you are just dying to hear more of my incessant ramblings or of Elizabeth's, you know, spicy wisdom, find us at homegrown underscore education. That's where you can find Liz and you can find me at Joey Hazelmeyer, uh, the one and only. And that's a wrap for today. And uh, until next time. Until next time.